Welcome to Tales of History and Imagination. Eccentric Tales from History by Simone Whitlow. Hey everyone, just a quick trigger warning. This tale discusses gun violence. If an account of a mass shooting is likely to upset, it is fine to give this one a miss. I'll be back in a fortnight with a tale of Kenyan wildlife and a few other things. This week's tale begins on the Boulevard du Temple in Paris, France. The date? July 28, 1835. The boulevard is a street many of us may feel we know, even if, like myself, you've never visited the City of Lights before. A man named Louis Daguerre pointed a newfangled device out of a window in 1839, shooting down at Crime Boulevard, as the street was then known. In doing so, he shot the first human with a camera. The mirror image, known as a daguerreotype, regularly makes its way onto content farm articles on early photography. Though ant-like, at least one person is discernible in the otherwise quiet street scene. One must imagine the scene in July 1835 rather differently. The street was overflowing with soldiers in their best attire. This was the day King Louis-Philippe I, a man not generally given to displays of pomp and wealth, inspected the Paris National Guard as they stood to attention. Two weeks after that more famous revolutionary date, July the 14th, which commemorates the 1789 storming of Bastille Prison. People were out in force to celebrate the July Revolution of 1830, which swept him into power over their rightful heir, his 11-year-old second cousin. At around midday, the king was nearing 50 Boulevard de Temple, with an entourage which included three of his sons and a collection of high-ranking officers. A sudden flash was seen from a third-floor window, accompanied by a rain of gunfire. Tearing through the crowd, this rapid-fire burst of lead felled 18 bystanders, badly injuring 22 more. Of the survivors, many were so badly wounded they required amputations. Its intended target, the king, escaped with only a cut to the forehead. The assault ended just as drastically as it began. The weapon responsible had partially backfired, injuring the assailant, who then fled the scene, leaving a telltale trail of blood behind. The killer was a Corsican former soldier named Giuseppe Marco Fieschi. He served in the French army in Napoleon's time. He went off to fight in Russia with the Grand Army, who had been so decimated by both weather and Russian counterattack. A truly harrowing, traumatic experience to live through. Post-war, Fieschi signed up as a mercenary in the service of the former King of Naples. When an attempt to overthrow the current Neapolitan regime went badly, he fled to France as a refugee. Soon after his arrival, he was arrested and jailed for ten years for cattle theft. Embittered, he became embroiled in revolutionary circles upon his release. With two other plotters, Fieschi built a weapon known as the Infernal Machine for the sole purpose of killing Louis-Philippe. 
It had 25 barrels aligned side by side, all set on the same downward trajectory. Each was full of shot and would fire simultaneously on a single trigger. While this sounds in effect vaguely like a machine gun, the infernal machine was a volley gun, capable of firing just the once before it needed reloading. Volley guns could be found in use as early as the 15th century, but were rarely used. A cannon loaded with grape shot could imitate a volley gun, while a volley gun cannot fire cannonballs. The name the infernal machine says all you really need to know, however. A year before the release of the first truly effective assault rifle, the Drace needle gun, the world was still in the era of the blunderbuss and the musket. A gun which could kill or wound 40 in the blink of an eye was absolutely hellish. Before we move on from this infernal machine, I should point out Fieschi was soon caught. His accomplices rounded up, and all were sent to the guillotine. Another newish technology with a surprisingly long list of antecedents. So from one infernal machine to another. The machine gun came about, believe it or not, with all the good intentions in the world. Richard Gatling built his Gatling gun, the first working machine gun, in the hope of saving lives. Gatling was a North Carolina native who mostly invented farming equipment. One day he read an article stating more soldiers died in war from disease than in battle. This left him aghast. He believed he could save millions of lives in the future if he could just create a machine which let a few men do the work of several units. Gatling hoped his innovation would lead to less soldiers on the battlefield and therefore less death. The Gatling gun made its debut in 1862 in the midst of the extremely bloody American Civil War where more, not less soldiers were sent out to fight. The Gatling gun had a hand crank which powered it, so it was still a long way off from machine guns as we know them, but it was used to horrific effect in several wars from the 1860s to the turn of the century. It was used to gun down thousands of Zulu, Chinese, Japanese, Spaniards, Chilean, Native Americans, and Filipino, among others. A fully automated reloading mechanism would come along, and its inventor, William Cantello would have even more blood on his hands. Who, you ask? I'm being a little facetious. Maybe. Let's reset the stage. This tale restarts in the late 1870s. Neighbours of the Tower Inn, a Southampton pub, have wondered aloud for months the origin of an ungodly noise coming from the pub's basement. The landlord, one William Cantello, was a man of varied interests. The son of an Isle of Wight publican and brushmaker, William studied engineering as a younger man. On arrival at the coastal town, he set up a foundry specialising in boat propellers. He soon diversified, buying a pub. An endless tinkerer, Cantello set up a workshop in the tunnel beneath the pub. We already know what he was working on down there. Machine guns were the thing that year. Gatling invented his gun through poorly thought-out humanitarian motives, a newfound drive among several European nations 
to conquer and exploit the life out of Africa from around 1870 was the main driver for many recent military innovations. On the other side of that ledger, European armies had seen a marked drop in young men signing up for service after the Crimean War. This, more than anything, necessitated new methods of killing people at scale. After Gatling, Swedish inventor Thorsten Nordenfeldt built a hand-cranked gun in 1873. William Gardner, an Ohio-based former army captain, built his Gardner gun a year later. These weapons were a step in the right direction, but if someone can make something fully automatic, possibly loading the next bullet off the energy generated from the gun's recoil, well, that was the holy grail. Sometime in 1880, William came up from his basement to announce he had finally solved that problem. He was the inventor of the world's first true automatic machine gun. When some young chap faced off against an army of angry locals, waving their assegai, acrophena or trumbash at them, that young man could rest assured that he had a cantello gun, and they had not. His two sons and daughter must also have been quietly overjoyed at the prospect of a decent night's sleep, free of the noise from their father's infernal machine. It's claimed soon after, William announced to his family he was going on a well-earned holiday. Given the same sources claim his sons helped him pack his gun for travel, it's far more likely he left on a business trip, hoping to find a buyer for the weapon. Little did his children know, but as he set off, this was the last time they would ever see him. Well, the last verified time, in any case, he never returned home. His children did their best to find him, but they were unsuccessful. They hired a private investigator who confirmed William's sale to the USA, but they could not trace him any further. Their snowy-haired, bushy-bearded father was lost to them forever. Then in 1882, a rather remarkable man emigrated to the United Kingdom. Born in Sangerville, Maine in 1840, Hiram Maxim was quite the up-and-coming engineer. He created an asthma inhaler, a mousetrap, a curling iron for one's hair, and steam pumps. He had a disputed claim to having really invented the electric light bulb. Years later, but before the Wright brothers' first flight in Kitty Hawk, a prototype airplane he was working on broke free of its tethers and flew, although it's a stretch to say it was a controlled flight. In 1885, he invented the world's first automatic machine gun, the Maxim gun. One day, Cantello's sons were reading the morning newspaper when an article on Maxim jumped out of them. That's father, one said astonished at the photo of the snowy-haired, bushy-bearded man. What's more, that gun of his, that infernal machine, was the spitting image of Cantello's weapon. The young men pursued Maxim in an effort to prove his true identity. Maxim refused to give them the time of day. This culminated in an attempted ambush at Waterloo Station in 1885, when the boys rushed towards him yelling, Father, Maxim hurriedly boarded his train. There is little to no doubt Cantello and Maxim were different people. 
In a world full of snowy-haired, bushy-bearded people and few cameras, both men did have some photos to compare one another. To my eyes, the men looked nothing alike, though Cantello could almost be a latter-day bearded Roger Taylor of Queen in a famous people are all ageless vampires meme. There is copious paperwork proving Maxim existed. The man also wrote an autobiography which discusses his earlier life in detail, which led to reporters speaking with people who knew him as a young man. What is interesting, perhaps, is the two men almost certainly met. Maxim was in Southampton in the 1870s. He viewed Cantello's boat propellers. Cantello, it was said, was concerned Maxim would steal ideas from him. Also of interest, Maxim knew one thing the Cantello children didn't. While he was making guns and planes in the United Kingdom, a man claiming to be Maxim was travelling the USA, trying to sell a gun suspiciously like his Maxim gun. Was this William? One tiny piece of evidence located by a web sleuth in our time suggests it could be. The man had prior form. A William Cantello, also of Southampton, faced charges of attempting to pass off counterfeit promissory notes in the mid-1870s. So if Cantello wasn't Maxim, and he wasn't murdered for his gun, that is a possibility, did he spend the rest of his life travelling the United States, perpetrating various confidence tricks? If so, we may get a glimpse of what his life may have been like sometime around December this year when we pick up the story of several other infernal machines, and one of history's most dastardly scoundrels, a mysterious man known to friends as ZZ. Thanks for listening. This has been Tales of History and Imagination. All episodes written and narrated by me, Simone Whitlow. All music, yours truly. Visit the show at historyandimagination.com. You can follow me on social media, links in the show notes, and get access to exclusive bonus content via my Patreon, also in the notes. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a like on your podcatcher of choice, and share the episode as word of mouth is the best way to help shows like this grow. Love to see you back in two weeks' time for more tales of history and imagination.